Good morning, this is Mark. I'm the pastor here at Antioch Brighton. Delighted again to be sharing God's Word with you. Today we're continuing a series out of 1st and 2nd Samuel. And we are talking about insights into authority. And, uh, you know, the perfect authority, the thing we all imagine, is actually a benevolent dictatorship. A person with all of the power that only cares about others. And there's only one like that. His name is Jesus. Every man, every woman that's ever had authority has been broken. They've had failures in their life. And the scriptures bring this out in, in ways that give us reality, give us understanding, and can give us hope. Humans have a hard time with power because they spend all their time, really too much of their time, thinking about themselves. But today's story is about David. And although he was not perfect, at this point in life, he exemplifies a love for and an honor for God. This story, David and Goliath, is one of our favorites. The Bible gives us many foundational stories. There's so much of literature that we don't realize has been shaped by the scriptures. And this story is the, the root of this uh, one about the evil empire that's brought down by a pure-hearted team of rebels risking their lives. Amazon versus the mom and pop store in the neighborhood. It's the story of the, the little guy who wins, the small town boy or girl that makes good, the unsuspected hero. This inspires us. So what's the story? Let me just take you through the scriptures and read this. Starts out with Goliath. You know, it's, his mother named him that, and it didn't mean big, ugly, huge guy when she named him that. I don't know what exactly it meant, but Goliath taunts Israel and asks for a duel. Let's read in the 17th chapter, verses 8 through 11. Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across to the Israelites. Why are you all coming out to fight? He called. I'm the Philistine champion, but you are only the servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. When Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. So what happens next? David, the shepherd boy, the youngest son of Jesse, is given the task of bringing food to his older brothers. In the 17th and 18th verse, one day Jesse said to David, take this basket of roasted grain and these 10 loaves of bread and carry them quickly to your brothers and give these 10 cuts of cheese to their captain. See how your brothers are getting along and bring back a report and how they're doing. So then the next section is David gets permission to fight from Saul, the king. In 32nd verse, David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replies, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. 
When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Then David fights Goliath. In the 45th verse, David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I have come against I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. The battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. Then what happens? David picks up some stones, and he kills Goliath. In the 48th verse, as a Philistine moves closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out his stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. So this story spells hope. Israel had been under a cloud of oppression and fear and the little guy came out of nowhere and brought victory and hope. One of the the main principles that I want to bring out today out of this story is that the overnight success is not an overnight success. There's so much that we have in our popular culture that emphasizes just getting attention. It's the kind of the, the limelight of the screen and television and movies and that the most valuable thing is getting attention. In fact, some politicians say even negative attention is good. But actually, what we want is not the attention of the world. We want God's attention. We want His view on our lives, not anyone else's. And Malcolm Gladwell wrote a book called, appropriately, David and Goliath. And in it, he explains the principle that it. he says it. Uh, it, it takes 10,000 hours to achieve mastery in a specific skill. And the time is not the important part, as much as the general principle that the solitary focus in secret, the place of development consistently over time, is what brings deep skill development. It's that He uses the illustration of, of the Beatles. No one knew who they were. They played 1,200 concerts in four years, primarily in Germany, between 1960 and 1964. They played more concerts in that time than most 
bands or groups or musicians play over the course of their entire lifetime. But in they, he calls it the Hamburg Crucible in Hamburg, Germany. They spent all this time where no one knew them, but they honed their, their craft. There's something in that solitary place that made them who they were. You may not be a Beatles fan, but the principle is overnight success. <laughs> what seemed like, wow, they came out of nowhere. There was so much behind that. Now, the lessons, there's two main lessons that I want to draw out of uh, this, this story, this amazing story. And the first is, is, is obvious. It's the, kind of the classic. Take on big challenges in this life. God can save by many or by few. The victory is in God's hand. We trust in him. But the, the thing that I want to focus on is this other, that the root of spiritual authority is intimacy with Jesus and the fear of the Lord that's developed in secret. That's the 10,000 hours. That's the place of, of real substance is in the secret place. David was in the field worshiping with his heart, praying, walking around, and talking with his God, with God, taking care of the sheep. His brothers didn't see him, but God saw him. In Acts chapter 13, the sec- 22nd verse, it says, when he had re- removed him, when he brought him out, he raised up David to be their king, of whom he testified and said, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart who will do all my will. God saw that in him in years in secret. God was watching and said, I found this one. At some point, you'll be in leadership. And if you do not want to damage others, you must value this obscurity. It's a, a, there's a place in Zechariah, a scripture in, in the, the fourth, the tenth verse in the fourth chapter. Right after he says, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. In the tenth verse he says, do not despise small beginnings. And in whatever you're trying to accomplish in this world or in your own life and pursuing God and seeing his kingdom come. Celebrate the small beginnings. Celebrate the quiet place. Celebrate what's happening in secret. Because it's in these places where God shapes our hearts. David inspires me. And he uh, just lies, lights a fire under me to have a greater and greater desire for Jesus. I want Jesus. I want him more than anything. I want him more than anyone. My heart is given over to him. <clears throat> the people that you can trust are those who have been shaped in obscurity and many times suffered in obscurity. 99 percent of the stories that will shine in eternity are not in biographies that are famous. 
but they're the stories that God has seen. And this is the principle of his character that, that goes throughout Scripture. You can give yourself to seeking honor in this life, or you can give yourself to seeking an eternal reward. This is a story of Joseph's, Joseph in slavery and in jail. This is a story of Moses for 40 years in the wilderness. This is Jeremiah in the hole in the ground. This is Elijah in the cave of Adullam. John the Baptist in the wilderness. Paul in the desert making tents for years with Aquila and Priscilla, growing in his understanding of the grace and the character of God. This is Jesus for till he was 30 years old in a small place, in a quiet place. And this is his message. This is his word in the Sermon on the Mount. He tells us to give in secret, to pray in secret, to fast in secret, so that we can build up heavenly treasures in secret. This, this cuts against everything in us, our, our need for significance, our need for value, our need for attention, to go to the secret place and to, to enjoy that is crushing selfish ambition. It's cutting against arrogance. It's cutting against our flesh in ways that we desperately need. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, the second part of the fourth verse says, Our purpose is to please God, not people. He alone examines the motives of our hearts. Yes, if you're pursuing intimacy with Jesus, if, especially if you're struggling with fear at this time, you need to take some risks. You need to take steps of faith and, and small steps of faith are a big deal in this season. Any place where you extend yourself and you, you do need to set, step out and say, God is able to use me and stand up for his character and defend the weak. But have you built a root and are you continuing to build a secret life in God? What if you were isolated, not by choice, but because of a worldwide pandemic? Would you choose to maximize intimacy with Jesus? What if you had little bitty kids that cut off so much of what was a, a significant ability to go out and do so many things. Would you embrace that as a place to grow in obscurity? It's difficult, but the rewards are amazing. These little ones are, are worth it. Alone time with God produces intimacy. Not just kind of casually connecting, but spending time walking with and listening to and reading his word. Walking with him, communicating with him. Open it, just say it out loud. Talk to God. He can hear you. It's more than just thinking thoughts. Open up your pain. Open up your feelings. I don't think David was just reciting poetry. 
But that poetry came from all of this emotional connection with God. Does something come up in your heart when others are honored? Do you feel jealous? Are you angry because you feel unseen? These are more reasons why you need to be content in the secret place. So we're going to reflect on a couple of questions as I finish up here. I want to ask you, yes, the classic story of David and Goliath. What's the risk that you can take? What's the challenge that you want to, you feel like you need to conquer in this season? And what's a, what are small steps of faith that you can take? But the second question I want to ask you is, what is the step you can take in this season to producing and pursuing deeper intimacy with Jesus? He is so worth it. Now, don't go just for uh, a big push. Go for consistency. 15 minutes a day. Or, you know, we want to grow with where we're walking in the presence of God, constantly aware of Him. But go for consistency first. You need to find a, a Bible reading plan that gives you guidance, gives you structure, so that it can encourage you. This next week, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we're going to be fasting together. And uh, so this is a place where you can give yourself to pursuing Jesus, and giving your heart over to him. So uh, I pray that God would stir up in each one of our hearts a hunger and a thirst for him, a longing for him that he will satisfy and that only he can satisfy. God bless you. Mm-hmm.